morning. Welcome back to Sinister Sunrise. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Morgan. And today we're going to be talking about something that's pretty um, serious. So we may make a couple of jokes. It's just we're trying to keep it as lighthearted as we can. That's just kind of how we deal with things. So just so you know, we're talking about Jonestown today. Um, and before we get to Jonestown, Morgan, just want to say. Oh, I'm just in a really good mood today. Um, I have probably perfected the art of the non-spicy Bloody Mary, and that is what I'm doing, aka if I don't comment as quick as I should, um, I got a mouthful of tomato juice and maybe an olive or two, so, oops, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) My B, my B. There you go. Here, Okay, everyone be jealous of Morgan's morning. It does look so good. Listen to that. I, it looks oh. like a really good Bloody Mary. It does. I don't even like Bloody Marys. Can you make Marys. me one and I'll drive by Hell and I'll yeah, grab girl. it curbside yes. Bloody Mary, please? I'll put it in a thermos for you. <laughs> Hell yeah. Or just get it like a really long like six foot straw and you can just sit in your car and yeah. drink it while you're at Morgan's. Here you go, baby. Here you go, yes. baby. Like a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll call them Bloody Morgans. Oh, yes. Because my name ain't Whoa, Mary. trademark. Trademark. <laughs> trademark. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, Love. my God. Okay. But before we dive into Jonestown, I did want to um, talk about this other cult I've been watching on Netflix. Um, everyone's on an <laughs> island. They they can't, um, you know, they can't have any sexual relations, which a lot of cults do that. They want you to be pretty, you know, straightforward. Um, and they say it's about, you know, ascending and being more personal growth. So um, I found it very interesting. Have you guys watched Too Hot to Handle? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's a very serious show. It's a very serious dumpster fire is what it is. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. uh, Morgan, have you seen it? Listen, I have watched the trailer. I... (laughs) I know. I was a bad scene. That's enough, honestly. I I get the gist. I do. And also, like, I I may come off like like a wannabe hoochie mama, but, like, I am a very modest human. So, like, Mm -hmm. also, I I know my rating. I'm a solid five on a good day. So, like, when I see all these people strutting around being like, I'm just so hot. I can have sex whenever I want. I, I, my brain literally melts and it's i know it's trash i know it's a dumpster fire when i'm in the right mindset maybe after a couple more of these bloody marys then I'll actually, dive in. after a couple more of those drinks you're gonna be in the mindset okay that's where okay. you need to be <laughs> i think you definitely need to watch it just a little inebriated because okay, yes. i've been watching it with my sister and we only have two more episodes left so i haven't seen the end i hope they get zero dollars because <laughs> they have shit personalities <laughs> but my jaw has dropped and i have yeah. gasped more yeah. watching this show than anything else i've ever watched like the things that come out of their mouths i'm just like i wonder why you can't have an actual relationship with i was someone. trying to it explain it to you guys mind. yes because <laughs> okay so whenever is. you see the um the trailer you're like well that doesn't sound hard like not shagging for a month you know what i'm saying like <laughs> yeah oh sign me up i could get a good chunk of that money. Brett, yeah, we were in a sorority. If all I do is talk to you, yeah, get me on that show. Let's go. But then a you year? watch them on their date. Let's go. A month? Get, I, I could do longer for more money. I'm just saying. For a hundred grand? I would. Oh, yeah. You you just put a time on there. I'm going to sit. I'm going to sit and be a good girl. That's all you got to do. Yep. And I'll talk you um, off like it's my job. Yeah, especially like kissing is $3,000. 
Mm-hmm. I would have tape Whoa. on my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't find that out until someone kisses. <laughs> yeah. I love Aaron, it. have you seen the one where they um, had sex already then? Oh, yes. They don't care. I just – it just baffles my mind. I'm like, you can't go that long without – Morgan, like, none someone of you runs up talking. a $20,000 bill. <gasps> yes. Yes, I've seen that one. <laughs> Was it a girl or a boy? I mean, both because they, um, they had oh, sexual like they, they, relations. They, co- mm, they copulated. Wait, so my favorite kiss, part. I'm so sorry. If a kiss is, you said three thousand. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is it like three thousand, three thousand, like every time, or is it like mm, we kiss, we pull apart, we kiss? It's still three thousand. I just I want to know just the rules. Just one act of kissing. So like, yeah, you can peck a million times. There can be some tongue in there. It's just like okay. the whole kiss session. Okay, okay, okay. Because trust me, they're not when... wasting three grand on a peck. None of them ever pecked on this show. That's fair. I was just curious mm-hmm. if – because $20,000, I mean, if 3000 is a kiss, then I can only imagine what a banging was. No, but, like, they go on these dates, okay, and they're supposed to, like, get to know each other better. Mm-hmm. And this girl's idea of it is putting her finger in melted chocolate and being like, David, what does that sound like? David, do you want to lick it off my finger? Yeah. Yeah. So that's why they can't go a month without it because that's all they talk about. Wow. I've never even done that as a joke. Nope. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. It'll and that's why we're not Morgan. on that show. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, show and then man. Aaron's sister makes a cameo on it for a couple episodes, so that's nice. <laughs> I'm gonna defend this is Morgan. I'm gonna defend Aaron's sister for a moment. This girl that is on the show just looks a lot like her. It's very resemble each other hardcore. Except to quote Aaron's sister, I don't know if we can say her name on the podcast, I'm not going to. Uh wow, glad Sarah thinks I look like a blonde bimbo. (laughs) So I'm saying that your sister is a 10. But she can hold the conversation, and she is not a bimbo. But she does look like this girl quite a bit. Yeah. I meant it in the best possible way. Okay. I just was hoping you weren't, like, personality-wise because – She has a face for TV. (laughs) Oh, absolutely not personality-wise. I think your sister is so funny. Okay. And I've talked to her before, and I never felt the need to have sex with her. So I think we're good. (laughs) (laughs) No, Megan, she's really cool. I like her a lot. Yeah. Well, there you go. She'll be happy to hear this then. Oh, yeah. Bye. I never meant it bad. <laughs> we love you, Megan. <laughs> the oh, whole time she's she... watching it, and every time Haley comes on, she was like, how? How does Sarah think I'm this girl? I don't understand. No, I don't think she's that girl. She just looks Hit like her mute. in the face. Hit mute, and then you'll see it. <laughs> yeah. No, her personality is garbage, but okay, there just like we right go. in the eyebrows and the nose, she looks like her. That's what I'm trying yeah. to say. Right here. Okay. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. That makes more sense. Okay. Are you guys ready to dive into this? Let's do it. Okay. I got. Sure. A, I have a lot to talk about, too, so. Oh, okay. okay I, I think go. everyone does, but. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> we'll see when we get to my topic. I'm going to try to be uh, as commentary positive as I can. Uh, oh, no. Newsflash, Jonestown isn't really haunted, so. Wow, that surprises me, actually. I would have thought it was haunted. Yeah, so I did my best for the after fact, Um situation storylines all that so i'm here to learn i honestly i when i did my research i strictly stuck tried to stick to like after so i'm ready to learn like i did my research intent like 
purposely to learn from you. So I am ready. Ooh, girl. Okay. Um, Jim Jones. Fun fact is also a rapper. Um, so that made my, <laughs> yeah, a rapper oh, no. out of the Bronx, New York. So that made my um, research interesting. Oh, no. But the Jim Jones we are talking about from Indianapolis was born May 13th, 1931 in the luxurious Crete. And that's Crete, India, not the island. Um, his parents were James Thurman Jones. And we'll call him um, Old James, probably, and Ladetta Putman. Um, Before we dive in, though, let's look at his earliest role models, his parents. So James Thurman Jones, Jim's dad, was a World War I vet. Um, This was the first war mustard gas was used in, and it did some serious damage to the soldiers. And James, unfortunately, was one of those. Um, The mustard gas left him with lung problems for the rest of his life. Ooh. I feel like that's not a war we talk about that much, but it was pretty bad. I mean, mm-hmm. not good for the soldiers. So after the war, um, James returns home where he later met Lynetta. And Lynetta was 15 years younger than James. And she was considered a little odd, to say the least. She was known for lying to make herself sound better, like claiming weird things like she had Cherokee ancestry, which her cousin confirmed is not true. Um she changed her name several times. She smoked. She cursed, and she was antisocial in general. Okay. I mean, today I'd probably grab right. beer with her. It's not that weird, but like in 1930s, I think it was. Oh my god, this lady is smoking a cigarette. Well, so also yeah, I thought she was like a liar. If you're, if they are, if they yeah. knew back then that she was known to be a liar, like right. That's that sucks. Yeah, that part aside. Um, so. The marriage really wasn't a happy one. I didn't read how they met exactly or why they got married, but it wasn't very happy. Um, Lynetta did not want to be a mom. Um, James would take road crew jobs that would keep him away from home, and he would also hang out at his local pool halls. So this further isolated an already antisocial Lynetta. But somehow, they still had five minutes together to make a child. And that's where Jim Jones comes in. Keep in mind, this is 1931, the Great Depression in America. So millions of Americans lost their jobs. There's mass hunger and poverty. It just not a great time. No. Not a time I would choose to be alive in America. I'm very thankful it is 2020. Um, so after his birth, Lynetta has now started to say that this will be a great child bestowed upon her. There's a reason she's had this child. He's a gift from God and all this stuff. Um, but keep in mind, it is the Great Depression. And the added mouth of little Jim Jones added more stress to the Jones household. And after Jim was born, old James suffered a complete mental breakdown and could no longer work. Oh, wow. Yes. So this meant the family's finances were doomed. They were evicted from their family farm they had been living in. And the family is now homeless. Um, Luckily, not for long. So James has family that takes them in. um, And that's in Lynn, Indiana. Um, It's important to note that Lynn is a very small, conservative town. I mean, most people go to church on Sundays. And everyone kind of knew everyone. Well, the Jones, they didn't go to church. Lynetta was actually an atheist. Oh, no! Or was she really? Or was she lying about it? Oh, just kidding. Oh, oh. (laughs) <laughs> no, actually, I think she was. <laughs> this is one of the few things we know she probably definitely was an atheist, and maybe Jim himself also, but we'll get to that. Okay, so yeah, Lynn, Indiana, they they thought this family was really weird, and at the time, they had a very prominent Ku Klux Klan membership, which, okay, 
I wish this was for, but do you remember that scene from Step Brothers when they're trying to not um, get Derek to sell the house? And so they bring people over to the parents' house and they look left and it's like uh, Will Ferrell has like a KKK mask on. And he's like, it's a great neighborhood. You're going to love it. Oh, and then across the street is the other guy and it's he's like in a um, oh, like a swastika, a Nazi uniform. And he's like, everyone recycles. You're going to fit right in. Oh. Do you guys remember that at all? Uh, here's the thing. Uh, <laughs> no! you, you're mad at me every week whenever you talk about a movie and I haven't seen it and I haven't seen that it that blows my mind I okay little caveat in high school that's when it came out for me I was like 16 mom went away for a girls weekend and I told my dad it had a PG-13 rating so he took me and my little brother who was like nine to go see oh! it <gasps> <laughs> yes he was so, 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 so mad, especially when um, we realized there was a ball sack in it. I remember he kept just handing me popcorn, like, just get a refill. Just go get a refill. I was like, Dad, it's not even empty. He's like, get a freaking refill. Like, get out of this theater. <laughs> and it was pretty crowded. And I remember like, excuse me, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, I was those people. He was so mad. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yes. So anyway, back to Mr. Jim. Um, at home, Jim was largely ignored. Unless he was being punished for something. So when Jim started school at age six and his mom took a factory job, he finally had some freedom after school to do something else than read. Um, He would roam the streets. So the Joneses, they weren't wealthy. I mean, at this point, his mom had the only income as a female factory worker. And they lived in a shack with no plumbing, which wasn't uncommon (gasps) for the time. Yeah. A lot of people had to do this during the 1930s. Um, and Jim, he didn't have a lot of friends and he was known to feed stray dogs. So he would have stray dogs following him around town all the time, <laughs> which kind of sounds like my childhood dream a little bit, but, mm-hmm. um, elderly women would see this in the town and they felt bad for him. So they would invite him into their house for some cakes or pastries. And one of these women took Jim to his first Nazarene church function, which blew Jim's mind. Um, he took to it very quickly. He could even quote scriptures back to the woman after day one, and she was delighted. And it's important to note at this time, yes, Jim was reading a lot, a lot of Karl Marx and other communist books, but Mm -hmm. he was left – yeah, I mean, he was left home alone, and he's also terrified of his father, so he read. It was a quiet activity. But Jim is very, very smart, okay? So all these scriptures, like they're just going straight in his head, and he has them. He can like spit them back out. Um. And he loved the attention that the preacher held. His mom, who was an atheist, was not happy about Jim going to church, but he didn't really care because now he's curious. So he's going to different denominations and he's soaking it all in. He's memorizing the sermons and the lengthy Bible verses. So the church ladies think this is awesome. His mom's not happy, but whatever. Jim's exploring whatever he wants to do. Um, Mm -hmm. Locals in Lynn at this point say he would go into the woods and play preacher for animals. (laughs) Okay, stop. Not That's horrible. actually really cute. I know. That's I like know. me as a kid to its oh, I mean, it's not like me. It's- like, did you ever like have um stuffed animals and you like set them up and you like read to them or whatever? Or Maybe. just me? Okay. Guys, I, me, <laughs> me and a friend of mine like played church. So like with each other. What? There were no stuffed animals. Yeah. Like we like pretended that we had like a piece of toast and we pretended. I, we grew up Catholic. <gasps> what? 
I would like break the bread and like we would like open a Bible and like wear wear like us like a little strip of fabric around our necks and oh yeah like <laughs> is there any pictures of this? F no. Uh. <laughs> like we'd bring in her outside patio table. So that was like really tall, so that we'd have a tall table to be like okay everyone listen and um she always got to be the priest and i always had to be the like freaking helper and yeah so <laughs> lame yep it's fine anyway i'm so sorry a little well, bit if about we me play church, <laughs> i'll let you be the preacher okay oh you my can god do it. thank you uh, i can't pronounce any of the words in the bible but thank you <laughs> <laughs> you know they're like josiah Corinth. all those were i don't want to say corinthians i know how to say all that but like okay i, I was swear, like some of those names, I'm like, what? Well, just don't pick yeah. those verses. You're the preacher lady. You can pick whatever you want. True. Mm-hmm. John and Mark every time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but you guys are probably preaching good things and giving out the bread. Yeah. Jim was not. He was all fire and brimstone. He liked the very, like, yes. Blah, like, life is going to end that kind of sermon. Because I guess that's what held his attention the most. Um, also when I was a kid, I didn't do the church thing, but I did think I could control the wind. <laughs> did I ever tell you guys about that? <laughs> so you were trying to be an airbender? <laughs> yeah. Is what you're saying? <laughs> well, I remember standing like, um, at the chain link fence of my like playground and I had my arms out like this and I had to be like a windy day and the wind would blow and I'm like, blow. And if it wouldn't blow right away, I'd just wait. I'm like, no, it's coming. Blow, blow. And then for the rest of the week, I remember being like, I control the wind. Like, I. One. <laughs> uh, it's like, Sarah. I have something, I have something like a little less embarrassing. I thought I, I, I tricked my friend that I could control water. What? So, so in my, in my dad's <laughs> pool, he had this like fountain thing and the mm-hmm. water that, you know how pools have like six sets of those like things that push water out? You know, mm-hmm. like little jets. Mm-hmm. Jets. Well, yeah. One of the fountains was hooked up to one of those because obviously it would push the water out. Well, sense. if you like put your hand or body over one of the jets, it fucks with the pressure. So it makes the fountain like dip and rise. Oh. So I'd sit at one end of the pool with my hand on the on the jet and like go Ooh, and like raise my <laughs> hand up and down and my friend was like holy shit how are you doing that <laughs> okay so i'm wind uh morgan's water aaron do you want fire or earth she's definitely I'll fire, say fire. <laughs> <laughs> all right i don't know how you're gonna control it but you work on that and come back i will <laughs> okay i'm glad you had water that's awesome okay um Sorry, I have a lot to, let's go, let's go. Um, Jim was obviously, I'm pumped, I'm hyped, let's go. Jim was becoming known as a weird kid. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's obviously. preaching hellfire to Bambi. Um, yeah. But this kind of helps him identify with other marginalized people, like African Americans in his area. Um, he did see the struggles they had and the injustice of the Ku Klux Klan. So we'll get to this later, but even from his childhood, he can, like, he's a big advocate of racial equality, which is good. And here we go into the weird stuff. Oh, yeah. We weren't even weird yet. At the age of nine, he gets super into death to the point where he starts collecting roadkill so he can give them elaborate funerals. Not by himself, though. He would have other kids watch. 
Um, which at first they did because, I mean, he's kind of a train wreck. And then after a while, kids his age were like, yeah, no thanks. This is getting weird. So then he started recruiting younger kids to watch. Oh, yes. no. Yeah. So also around this time, Jim started to think or at least try to convince others that he had special powers. Sound familiar? Sound familiar. Um, <laughs> yes. And he told everyone he could fly. So he got on top of his roof and he jumped off and he flew so far straight to the ground. Um, <laughs> guess he needed. <laughs> I guess he needed me there to control the wind beneath his wings. Am I right, ladies? <laughs> Ouchie. <laughs> okay, I thought that was funny, guys. Okay. Um, oh, I'm just holding back the laughter. I thought I'm. I'm trying to make sure you, that we're we're running on time. I'm sorry, Sarah. That was great. You needed to be the no, wind beneath his wings. It's fine. Please. It's fine. I just lost my spot because I was silent laughing at myself. Okay. Uh, okay. Also, it gets worse. Um, his parents bought him a medical kit for fun. <gasps> like yeah. not a toy one? Like a toy they one? They said the toy one, but wait till I tell you what he did because it doesn't sound like it was a toy one. Okay. Well, then again, okay. it was the 19, like 40s. I don't know what toys were then. Maybe they just used medical equipment. So he started experimenting. <laughs> Um, he tried to figure out how to do blood transfusions between different species of animals. What? And he, close your ears, Morgan, once amputated a chicken's leg so he could sew it onto a duck. And keep in mind, animal abuse is very high in psychopaths. Uh, okay. Which Sorry. as, okay, as I was watching and like listening to all these things, which I will tell you my sources at the end because I forgot to do that. I just, I always have these questions like, was he religious was he an atheist like did he care about people or did he want control over people like there was these mm -hmm. really good things like you can see him doing these really good things for the community but he also has to have all the attention for it which you know isn't bad but then like this kind of stuff like he was very psychopathic in some ways like he he liked preaching because he got the attention from it so i don't know anyway okay think you can't get any more odd you are correct or wait you're incorrect. Take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, you take a drink. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. <sighs> That's fair. Yeah. Uh hmm. <laughs> Bailey's. Okay. Um, when Jim was the age of 10, America entered into World War II. So all of his um, kids, his age, not his friends, I guess. He didn't really have any. Were playing Marines or Army GIs at recess. Who wants to guess what Jim was playing? Preacher? Church. We got a preacher? Aaron? I don't know. Doctor? I don't know. Y'all are freaks. Take a drink. No, he was playing Nazi. I don't know where you'd get ah. those ideas. <laughs> no, it's worse than you thought, isn't it? He was playing ah. Nazi. Um, Nazis! And more particular, he was... I'm going to have yeah. to keep. I'm gonna, yeah, I, I need a drink for that one. <laughs> mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was um, very obsessed with Adolf Hitler. Oh, to his shocking. credit. Yeah, I know. Um, to his credit, it wasn't really his morals. I think he was more interested in the way Adolf spoke and gave speeches. Because, like I said, he really, really loved that attention they got. Which could have been because he was ignored at home. It could have been because he's a psychopath. I don't really know. But yeah. he liked it. Okay. So, yeah, he was doing that. And um, remember those younger kids? Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Jim got really good at realizing he could control them, whereas the older kids didn't want to play his games. I mean, younger kids, they disliked the attention from an older boy. So Jim would recruit these younger kids to be his stormtroopers, and he would have them goose step like Nazi soldiers. And if they didn't do it correctly, he would slap them with a twig. Oh, my God. Yeah. And they what did, the heck? They were like, ow, I'm going to keep playing because you're an older boy paying attention to me. Sorry. Holy <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like... It is crazy, but you can also see like he's realizing pretty young how to control certain groups of people, which is just as scary as the games they're playing it's, to me. And yeah, what'd you say? He's like 10 or 12 at this point? Like, 10. Yeah, like 10. He hasn't even reached puberty. Like he's not even at his full mental weirdness. Like I'm I- glad you said puberty because that's where we are now. Um, <gasps> and it doesn't really get better. In his teenage years, he becomes obsessed with sex. And yes, that is normal. But he had his own take on it. Don't you worry. He proclaimed himself the the most knowledgeable on the subject and sat on his front porch to teach the facts of life and the birds and beasts to audiences of his peers. Oh, my. (laughs) Yes. Why is this guy like a pimped out Dr. Phil right now? (laughs) I don't know. I I was listening to something and they're like, yeah, no one knows where he got this information. Like if his mom told him because his mom knew and didn't care. Um. Or the other kids' parents he said he, did care. He read. <laughs> he read a lot. Maybe he's like inferring stuff. Like maybe, ugh. maybe it's from his freaking experiments. But yes, he was the most knowledgeable of them all. Um, and he also started wearing his Sunday best clothes every day of the week. Oh. And yeah, so basically, us um, during those first weeks before school of recruitment. And yeah. folks at home, you will <laughs> never see <laughs> sorority women dress nicer than when they are trying to recruit other women. Very true. (laughs) Yes. Correct. I wore dresses to class and that was a lot. Mm -hmm. God. Imagine like if you didn't know that was happening and you see the before and after of what was it like September. Like we're all in dresses and our makeup and then one day they just wake up and we all look like shit again. Wow. Whoa. I mean, also also the fact that where we went to school was very hilly. So because Mm -hmm. of the hills, there was lots of wind. Yo, mm-hmm. dresses were not our friends, okay? I'm just Mm-mm. pointing that out there. I In my almost flashed touch. a lot. Of I was people. wearing so oh, much. <laughs> mm-hmm. You gotta wear those. So luckily, the, the A-line dress is that what it's called, or wherever it does, mm-hmm. where it like flows out, so you can wear your Nikes underneath. That's why I didn't care about the wind at the end. I was like, why did no one tell me about this? Here we go. Yeah, I didn't know till wanna... senior year, but <laughs> yeah, lots of chub rub before then. But okay. Um, Jim also did this weird thing. <laughs> I mean, it was true. It was hot. That's true. It's Whatever. true. I just. <laughs> okay. Anyway, yeah, Jim I'm gonna, Jones. Jim I'm going to say what it was. I'm a curvy lady. <laughs> but we um, got. We, yeah, same. Same. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Jim also did this weird thing that's rumored his mother did. Um, he wouldn't speak to you unless he initiated the conversation. What? Yeah, so I don't know if it's a control thing or a false sense of superiority thing, but it was bizarre. But yeah, his mom did that too, which is another reason she was pretty antisocial. And he would also get in debates with his teachers. He was always trying to prove that he was smarter than them. Um, He was also a great organizer, which you'll see later in his years at Jonestown also. But he tried his hand out at first when he was 14. He organized a baseball league, and it was a success. Um, Boys loved playing against each other. Jones himself never played. He just set it all up. And that's fine because he did a really good job. But it all came crashing down one day when he was holding a player meeting 
and he, I'm so sorry, he dropped one of his pet dogs through a trap door to its death. And then everyone got really freaked out and was like, we don't want to do this with you anymore, Jim. And that was the end of his baseball organization career. Do you need a minute, Morgan? That's traumatizing. Yes. Taking my headset off. I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. (laughs) That's what I'm I'm saying. You can see. I know. But like what I was saying earlier, you can see him like do good things. You can see him organize stuff. And then you can see it taking these weird turns all the time. Like his. Which I guess personality like, are dynamic, so. The power, like, gets to his head or something. Like, too much. And yes. he just, like, whoop, jumps off the deep end. Yes. What a, um, wow. So weird. But if we take a step outside of Jem and go back to his parents really quick, old Papa James had become a crippling alcoholic and suffered a stroke, so now he couldn't even speak. Um, Lynetta took a lover, and as I mentioned before, everyone knew everyone in this town, so everyone knew about it. Of course. Yeah. And this didn't do anything great for the family or the marriage. So James and um, – excuse me. I have a little bit of hiccups here from the Baileys. Um, James and Lynetta divorced in 1945. And Lynetta then took Jim and they moved to Richmond, Indiana. And from some reports I read, they just abandoned James. Like even the last year they lived together, they just pretended like James didn't exist. Yeah, I don't – it's just bizarre. So they're in Richmond now. Jim graduates high school and he's working as an orderly at Reed Memorial Hospital. Um, by all accounts, he was great at his job. His superiors liked him. His residents found him to be gentle. You know, he was excelling. And there he met his future wife, Marceline Baldwin. She was working as a nurse at the hospital. And a lot of people say Jim Jones wouldn't be as infamous as he is if he didn't have Marceline as his wife because she was born into a very political family. And this gave Jim a lot of the important social ties that he needed. So in 1949, they moved to the big city of Indianapolis. And there, again, they were surrounded by the Ku Klux Klan and racial inequality. And this kind of drove the couple to make a stand, both on segregation, which was still happening because it means 1949, and socialism. So drawing back to his childhood, Jim decided to become a pastor. It's been argued that he himself was actually an atheist, but he could get the attention and devotion he needed for socialism. I'm putting quotes around it because I don't know if it was for socialism or for himself, but mm-hmm. um, an equality by preaching. So in 1952, Jim became a student pastor at a Methodist church. Yet again, he excelled here. Um, he opened a youth center, a, yeah, youth center, whoa, a soup kitchen, and he accepted kids of all faiths and was becoming a cornerstone in the Indianapolis community. He also started adding faith healing to his repertoire. And he would have people who were suffering come up to his podium and he would heal them just by putting his hands on them. Come on up. Come on up. Let me put you, my hands on you, heal you yes. from the, from <laughs> Which the outside I, in. Mm. On a different episode, I may actually go into why these quote unquote work sometimes, but it's widely known that he was planting people in the audience. So they didn't work, Aww. but everyone around them was like, wow, this guy's doing miracles. Because um, there is like a psychological thing of why this could work for a certain amount of time. But not now. Just know Jim was faking it. Um, the healing <laughs> the healing part is important, though, because Jim Jones could only heal you. I mean, really heal you if you believed in him. And you're mm. going to see this tactic the mm. rest of his career. He is never the issue. It's always someone who doesn't worship him enough, love socialism enough, or they're too bourgeois, which was like a big insult. By the way, That's a in Jones big Town. word on a Sunday morning, girl. Ooh, I know, I know. I don't even think I spelled it right, but I know what it is. 
what I spelled is definitely not bourgeois, but that's the word they would use. Um, and this got him a lot of attention. And he was invited to speak at or preach, excuse me, at other congregations, not just in his area, but in surrounding states. Now we're in the 1950s. Woo, made it. Jim began attending communist party meetings. And he's now a pretty big deal in Indianapolis, which he uses this to fight segregation. Go, Jim. Um, he would go into restaurants with, you know, African-Americans. And the manager would say, "You, we're not going to serve them here. Like, you can't be here. And he'd be like, oh, yes, you will. Basically, he would say, if you don't serve my African-American friends, then I'm going to publicly shame your restaurant. Or... If you let us come here, we'll come um, with the whole congregation tomorrow. Like, we'll buy your whole thing out, and we'll all eat here, and you'll have a lot more money. And basically, their hands were tied because he would go there, like, at slow periods of the day, like, when they were making no money anyway. So it's a really hard deal to pass up. And he would do that. And then he would actually buy everyone's food. So just like those little things, which aren't little, but, I mean, it just takes one person to do that, he got a lot of things desegregated. Um, He also... Got a police force, to se- a police station, excuse me, desegregated, hospital wards, and other restaurants. So he could have been a really awesome person. And for a minute there, yeah. he was. He mm-hmm. was doing such good things. So I don't think that's yeah. what he lost over. Like, that's a huge feat in the 1950s, you know, in the Midwest. Like, mm-hmm. good job. If only you could have stopped there at the good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're almost done here, folks. Also during this time, Mr. Jones was doing his infamous monkey sales. Are you guys familiar with this? Okay. I am not going to lie. When I did my research, there was one part about a chimp in a cage, and I was like, the what? So mm-hmm. teach me. Yeah, I really didn't know about this. Yeah. Um, I guess today's big ticket item is tigers, but back then it was monkeys. <laughs> so um, Mr. Jim Jones, we need more cash flow. When he needed more cash flow, I will make that a little more enunciated, um, he would sell monkeys door-to-door for $29 each, which today's retail price would be $310. Mm-hmm. Wow, I was way off. Mm-hmm. Wait, what did you say? $600. <laughs> well, two for the price of one, my friend. We could <laughs> Anyway. So, um, yes, which... That's insane. That means I could afford a monkey right now. Why yeah. do I not have any monkeys? Because they rip your face off when they get mad at you. Yeah, but until then, they're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> he would also use monkeys as incentives for new people coming into his church, which to be fair, that would probably have gotten me like, what? This guy's got monkeys? What's going, Let's figure what's going it out. on? Let's go. Well, like, <laughs> there's a church of Scientology in St. Louis, and they had their doors open one day, and it was like free personality tests. And I was like, hmm. my old roommate, Brooke, I was like, we have to go. And luckily she stopped me because she was like, Sarah, if we go in there, you will never come out because you will be so. <laughs> they would have tried to I suck have... you in big time, baby girl. Yes. And I know I have like one of the addictive personalities, so I probably would be a Scientologist, but we didn't go, which is good. Um, <laughs> anyway, anyone want to guess why this scheme stopped? Well, I don't think it's animal rights. I hope it is, but I don't think it is. No, don't be ridiculous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he ran out of monkeys to sell. I don't know. You're pretty close, actually. So oh. um, I guess his shipper or whatever who was sending the monkeys, they, the monkeys started arriving dead. So at <gasps> first it was one and three survived, and then it was three and seven. And then basically Jones got really angry about paying the $89 shipping fee. 
for, you know, deceased monkeys. So he was just like, screw up, not doing this anymore. And he just left a shipment of monkeys in the basement of customs. And that was the end of that because he was like, nope, I'm not paying for them. Oh, my gosh. Yet again, oh good God. and bad, Jim Jones. Good and bad. Um, he was well known at this time. I'm going to just scoot on past that. He was well known at this time, uh, filling churches weekly with his fiery healing sermons. But at each one, he insisted that the church be completely integrated with all races, which yet again, huge for this time. Um, and sometimes he'd even have all of his black members of the church would sit up front, which yet again, huge. Go Jim Jones. Go Jim Jones. I will never say that after Aaron's piece starts, but right now, <laughs> go Jim Jones. Um, I mean, yeah, because remember, normally like African-Americans would sit in the back of the buses and stuff. So like for him to be like, no, come up front. Like you, you've done your time. Like come up front right now, which is awesome. Um, and this further helped his fight of equality. Yes. But it led to tension with the church's leadership. And this upset him, of course, as it would. And so Jim Jones started his own church and named it. The People's Temple Full Gospel Church. Aaron, take it away. <laughs> so, wow. But yeah, his childhood, I did not think it was going to be that much information, but it is a ton. Yeah. And I left things out, people. Like, he, yes, he is a cartoon of a person. He is very interesting. Sheesh. Wow. Sarah, you said you're going to mention your sources. Why don't you just put them in the show notes? Because it sounds like if people want to do more research, they absolutely should because there's a crap ton going on with him. Yes. Mm-hmm. I. That's a good idea. I'll put them in the show notes this week. Perf. Um, so without further ado, Ms. Aaron, tell us about the downfall. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Sarah. I When I was doing my research, I also found a ton of information. So I'm sure I've probably left information out and I could go on for hours and hours about him. Um, But I'm just going to get right into it and Mm -hmm. start it off. So if I say a few things, um, Sarah, that you mentioned, um, I'll just kind of touch on that a little bit and continue on with how Jones escalates. (laughs) Touch and go. Let's go, baby. Yes. So like you mentioned, Sarah, in 1955, um, Jim Jones founded the People's Temple in Indianapolis. The congregation was non-discriminatory, and Jones did preach against racism, which was obviously very progressive during this time of racial segregation. And because of his views, many white locals were not a fan of him, and Jones was threatened many times. There were a few incidents where people retaliated against him. So, for example, during one incident, a stick of dynamite was placed in the temple's coal pile. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, I don't know if it went off. It didn't really mention anything more after that. Um, However, there are people who think that Jones may have fabricated some of these incidents or had actually been involved in some of them yes mm-hmm. so Whoa. i mean jones is shady so i wouldn't put it past him if he, he did he was a con man very very much so mm-hmm. um, jones called both his immediate family and the temple his quote rainbow family because mm-hmm. his followers and family members were from racially diverse backgrounds so jones and his wife uh Marceline Baldwin-Jones adopted three Korean-American children named Lou, Suzanne, and Stephanie, a child who was part American Indian named Agnes, who is a boy, by the way. Oh. Just saying. Agnes, boy. And a (laughs) white American child named Tim. They were the first white couple in Indiana to adopt a black child. 
1959, they gave birth to their only biological child, Stephen Gandhi. Yes. Oh. You heard that right. Stephen Gandhi. How many kids right. do they have in total? I Quite a few. <laughs> How do you feed that many mouths? Kind of okay. lost track. Bradgelina. Calm down. <laughs> they were the original Bradgelina. <laughs> oh. Sorry. Had to say it. Love it. <laughs> Love it. It's true. Jones also encouraged his followers to adopt orphans from Korea that had been affected by war. So... Because of this, many African-American followers and many followers from different racial backgrounds were drawn to the church's progressive ideals. Some followers had apparently improved their lives after joining the church by either like quitting drugs or no longer committing crimes. Um, And members of the church were dedicated to serving their communities, and they truly believed that they were working to improve the world. So again, like you had mentioned, Sarah, there were a lot of good things happening. It mm-hmm. could have been great. It could have been great. <laughs> it could have been, but okay, I was telling you before we really started, I was watching um, some video. I'll I'll put the name of it, but it's like a big documentary on Jonestown and their, um, mm-hmm. their African-American son. He was saying, yeah, my, my dad, he always told me I was his adopted black son, not his black son, not his son, his adopted black son. Like he was very proud of that like that's just the image he wanted so bad so on the outside yes it all looks great go jim jones on the inside i don't know but i like that people are doing good things around him that's awesome yes so not even jones doing these things i think just like the members like they're they were drawn to these different ideas Mm -hmm. that these progressive ideas and trying to better the world so i think more on that side yes But it does look like he's practicing when he preaches, too. So that's very influential, and that's awesome. Yes. Yes, I agree. Leading by example. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. In 1965, Jones persuaded his congregation to move the People's Temple to California in the event that a nuclear attack would happen. Jones got this idea because he read an Esquire article that listed out the nine safest places in the world, one of them being um, a city in California. The article explained that Eureka, California would be safe from a nuclear attack because, quote, it is west of the Sierras and upwind from every target in the United States, end quote. Oh, yeah. Right. Cool, bro. Talk about good real estate. Okay. (laughs) Eureka, we got to go. Oh. And Jones, <laughs> Jones also told his followers that a nuclear war would begin on July 15th, 1967. So he's really starting to push his like doomsday conspiracy theory views on the church members. But yes, didn't a lot of people at this time think the same thing? Because it's during the Cold War, right? Well, probably when this was coming out. But Not he was his- like... Not to his level. Not to his level, yes. Because he's literally like, this is going to happen on July 15th, 1967. We need to get out of here. That is very specific. Okay. Yes, yes. Um, So Jones, his family, and around 70 followers moved to Redwood Valley in Northern California um, near the city of Ukai. I think that's how you pronounce it. And then also in 1965, Father Devine, a controversial black evangelist and founder of the Peace Mission Movement, passed away. Jones had met frequently with Father Devine before his passing to learn how to expand the People's Temple and grow his following. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Jones actually attempted to take control of the peace mission movement when he visited Divine's property, claiming that he was the reincarnation of Father Divine, which, guys, if you listen to our past lives episode, his claim makes no sense. (laughs) I don't think reincarnation (laughs) works that way. Um, And... But well, you I guess California you, is upwind, so maybe um, the wind <laughs> just brought a spirit and <laughs> yeah, carried him off. It makes sense. It works like that, I think. <laughs> Jones and his followers were kicked out by Mother Divine. Yes, there's a father and a mother divine. But Jones was able to convince some peace mission members to leave Divine's estate and come with Jones's and his followers back to California. So Sarah, also like you mentioned, Jones did preach about social issues and the virtues of what's called the social gospel, which was a movement that applied like Christian ex- ethics, excuse me, Christian ethics to social issues. However, okay. by the 1970s, Jones began to just ever so slightly change his message. It's kind of take what you know and throw it out the window because things are great. Going to escalate. <laughs> take what you know, so, throw it out the window. So Jones completely dismissed Christianity. He rejected and criticized the Bible, claiming that it was a tool to oppress women and minorities. And he basically put God on blast, preaching that the, quote, sky God was no God at all. Okay, he uh, his mom said okay. that in his childhood too. I didn't say this, but whenever he was going to those uh-huh. churches, she was like, we have no use for that sky God. Like, oh, so okay. he's been an atheist this whole time. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm glad he's, he's shown just, his true colors. Yes. His rainbow now he's colors. changing his preachings and his sermons to his followers. So it's just escalating. And also, you know how Jones claimed he was the reincarnation of Father Divine? Well, mm-hmm. he also proclaimed that he was the reincarnation of Gandhi, Jesus, and Buddha, which oh, wow. hold up. I don't know how you can claim to be the reincarnation of Jesus when you just bash God a second ago. I <laughs> well, God isn't on? great, but Jesus is fantastic. That's what we, we don't need. need to know we don't here. need that sky God. You have me, the reincarnation of Jesus on yeah, Earth. No. I'm wow. your Earth yeah. God again. Like you said, Aaron, back to that episode. I don't think that's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> there's not much to say. I'm trying to, like, make out something stupid, like, well, it could work if they all. (laughs) He's not drinking a White Claw. There are laws, okay? Sorry, I switched to White Claws. What? Shameless plug for White Claw. (laughs) I mean, abso-freaking-lutely. Who do you think I am, girl? Mm. (laughs) Jones has also been quoted saying, quote, what you need to believe in is what you can see. If you see me as your friend, I'll be your friend. If you see me as your father, I'll be your father. For those of you that don't have a father. Mm -hmm. If you see me as your savior, I'll be your savior. If you see me as your God, I'll be your God. End quote. He had me at the first couple. I can see that. Yes. He had you there for the first part and then (laughs) not for the second half. I just imagine that like – um. That Muppet meme where his eyes are a little crazy, like, what did he just yes. say? <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Yes. And I mean, then, Sarah, oh, he did. It's, um, I'm not sure who he was talking to over the phone, but he told someone over the phone that he was an agnostic and an atheist. Yes. 
Yes, which yes, 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 yes. is what he is, but whatever. So I still, new members. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was like, I still like where he started. Like, we're trying to make things equal. Like, you may have been lying a little bit on the God thing. Like, all right. But, like, you are still trying to make the world a better place. And then, like you said, you just threw it out the window. So here we go. My windows are yeah. rolled down. I'm along for the ride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But regardless, new members continued to flock to Jones's congregation in California, which grew significantly over five years. In the early 1970s, the People's Temple expanded to larger cities and branches were opened in Los Angeles, San Fernando, and San Francisco. The temple's headquarters was later moved to San Francisco, which was a big area where radical protest movements were very common. Jones and the temple actually influenced San Francisco politics and played a role in George Moscone's mayoral campaign and victory in 1975. After his win, Moscone appointed Jones as chairman of the San Francisco Housing Authority Commission. Oh, no. So he was, yeah. So now Jones is in like contact with many important political figures who would later publicly praise Jones and the temple. I'm sure I did nothing for his ego. Yeah, no, oh, not no. at all. He's, He's very so humble. humble. <laughs> <laughs> so as Jones and the Temple were gaining a lot of public attention, um, that attention did come with some media scrutiny. Chronicle reporter Marshall Kilduff published an expose about Jones, detailing Jones's rise as a political and religious leader, as well as outlining allegations former members had made against Jones. In the article, Kilduff stated that around 600 of the 750 crowd members at Carter's campaign in San Francisco, that First Lady Rosalind Carter spoke at, were Jones's mm-hmm. followers. So Jones brought them all, planted all of his followers in um, the crowd. And when Rosalind Carter spoke, you know, she got like a little bit of applause. But then when Jones spoke, they applauded for like over a minute. But okay. the majority were his followers. So yeah. cool. You see. The next day, <sighs> Carter's camp mm-hmm. the next day, Carter's campaign received over 100 letters. A rally organizer said that they never got mail. So while <laughs> one letter may have been like, you know, brushed off and accepted, like, okay, we got a letter, cool. 100 letters just looked very, very odd. The rally organizer also said that most of the letters contained similar messages, the senders thanking them for the rally and mentioning how inspirational Jim Jones was. Also, the fact that all of these letters arrived on the same day meant that they all had to have been mailed before the rally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What a freaking dumbass. Boy, you need to do your no homework. Laws. No laws with the claws. There it is again. Uh, <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Morgan is three bloodies in and hey. one white claw. Um, psh, I'm half a white through claw. It. Half- so you guys need to catch up. At home, psh, catch up. Catch up. Yeah, come catch on. up. Cash up or put some, or you know, some tomato juice and drink it. Come on. Cash up. <laughs> I would not. <laughs> Sarah doesn't Ooh. do bloodies like Aaron and I do. Although I don't even do bloodies like most people do because I am anti-spice. But throw Ooh, some- see, I gotta spice it up. I Man. have sriracha mm-hmm. vodka. 
I have a spicy blend of Bloody Mary mix, and I add some hot sauce to it, just a couple drops. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm more of the, like, let's put, like, half a jar of olives in it. (laughs) I'm I'm more like, let's just take shots of rum and call it a day. (laughs) I can see my Captain Morgan bottle. I may just go ahead and grab it. Ooh, no thanks. (laughs) Wait, the darker the light. Um, talk amongst yourselves. I'll let you guys see it. Oh, okay. Oh, she she going to show. Morgan, us. you're inspiring me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm. You know what? I haven't actually had a good brunch drink time in a minute. Normally, I'm like, okay, yeah, we'll throw a little Bailey's in our coffee for our for our cup of spooks on our Sunday. Um, but today was a. Uh, I actually had the mix, and I had olives and West made oh, bacon. So I had the the triple threat. Also, oh, I, I know how dark this is about to get, so I want to uh, – there's a reason I was like, yeah, I'll take his early childhood. <laughs> the dark. I love it. Ew, but the night dark. is dark and full of Jonestown. Oh. Sunrise shots. Am I right, ladies? Cheers, Woo. ladies. Salute. Yeah. Salute. She's really Ooh. doing it. You go, girl. Wow. I've been looking at for days. Sarah, I don't think I've seen you take a <laughs> shot in a very long time. I'm like – I'm a little pressed right now, girl. And no wincing, no nothing. Wow. I'm, I really okay. like rum. I like rum a lot. I, I can't do vodka straight, but ooh, I love a Jaeger, but it's up on the – my cabinets are really tall. I don't want to get up there. This one is just sitting I'm about out. to – I'm dying. That shit tastes like black licorice. Blech. I used to walk around parties with a straw and a bottle of Jaeger and feel like I was a badass. Because you are? Wow. Yeah. I couldn't Blech. do that now. I don't know. But cause I used to drink a lot. College was a different time. Different, Sarah. Yeah. Different Jonestown. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. Yes. So back to Kilduff. He wanted to get to the bottom of the People's Temple and what was going on behind its locked and guarded doors, which, fun fact, the temple had two sets of locked doors. Guards would patrol the aisles during services, and guards would bar people from trying to come in on an unannounced on Sunday mornings. So a little shady stuff going on. Yeah. When news got out that the that New West magazine was going to release a story on Jones and People's Temple, the company received numerous phone calls and letters on a daily basis, basically telling them to drop the article and to not release it. But okay. then former Temple members began calling New West magazine, wanting to share their stories about the Temple and the abuse they experienced at the hands of Jones. More than a dozen former Temple members were interviewed. And after doing some digging and checking, you know, these claims and their stories, all of their stories checked out. These members' real names were used in the article. They agreed Ooh. to meet with a reporter, be photographed, and have their conversations tape recorded. Wow. They were really serious. Yeah. Well, with, like, I was reading, I read most of um, Kill... Dreff's article, which um, I will also put in the show notes. I think it's great. I think everyone should read it. It's very interesting. Okay. And they, he had mentioned, he was like, we're not if, because a lot of these people did want to stay anonymous, which I completely understand why they Mm -hmm. would want to stay anonymous. But he was like, we can't just take this information. And if you stay anonymous, it's not like they were like the same. Exactly. Yes. So they were like, these are our terms. And that's the only way we'll, like, listen to what you have to say, basically. And they were like, okay, sure. Take our pictures. Tape record us. Whatever. So, yeah, a lot of them came forward, which I thought was just really cool. I think that's really badass, too, because you – How many people are in um, the People's Temple right now? 
I think by this time, Wikipedia said this, so take that with a grain of salt. But I think with all of the different branches and areas together, there was around like almost 20,000 or something. I don't know. Okay. It was a huge amount. But that's that many people that are going to turn against you because Jim Jones is not going to be happy about that. Like that's really ballsy to be like, okay, here's my name. Here's my picture. Let's just do it. Yep. I don't know if I have the backbone for that. I think I'd like, Aaron, you talk. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, I mean, way to go for these people. I think that's really courageous and brave. Um, so for this little section, I'm just going to basically list off the claims that these former members made against Jones. So here goes, guys. The Sunday services that political leaders and important officials were invited to were completely orchestrated and engineered. Crazy, I know. (laughs) What? Get out of here. Go jump in a lake. (laughs) (laughs) Temple members were expected to attend services multiple nights a week, with some sessions lasting until daybreak. Members were also frisked before entering the church for services, but important guests invited to the church were never frisked. So again, the difference between temple member services and services where important outsiders are invited, a little different. Okay. Members of the temple's governing council called the planning commission were required to stay up all night and take part in what Jones called catharsis, where other temple members, some that were invited being close friends with the person being subjected to this would verbally criticize the person who was, quote, on the floor. Cute. (laughs) Oh, and it gets worse. So like, it's like Tardy McDennis. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Round three. Oh, what is it called? Mental anguish or something. Yes, yes. (laughs) Um, But catharsis sessions started to become a more violent event where followers would be physically beaten with a large wooden paddle and boxing matches would be held where the person on the floor was occasionally knocked out by opponents selected by Jones himself. Also during regularly scheduled family meetings attended by up to around like a thousand members at a time, as many as 100 followers were lined up to be paddled for just very small stupid violations such as not paying enough attention during jones's sermons during these public beatings adults and children so anyone could get beaten um could be struck up to 100 times in a row one so wait, child they could do that but in our sorority we couldn't even do a scavenger hunt hold up <laughs> hold up i have some complaints <laughs> oh my god that is wow Lady secretary, put this in the notes. I have some complaints. Jotting it down right now. And one child who was interviewed for the article and at the time she was interviewed was 18 years old, said that after being struck 75 times, she couldn't sit down for almost two weeks. (gasps) Oh, poor girl. Poor baby. That's horrible. That's horrifying. I've only been spanked once in my whole entire life. And that's because I... um. I guess I was like five and I went and my parents used to have like all white tile, all white carpet. And I guess I looked them in the eyes and pulled my pants down and just peed on the carpet, like right in front of their bathroom. <gasps> Sarah. I was young. I don't know. And they spanked me for it. Obviously. <laughs> I think in that time that was probably the right thing to do because that wasn't coming out of the carpet. One oh, time, no. the one time I got spanked by my mom, <laughs> we were like in the, <laughs> we, were, we were in the parking lot. 
or somewhere, I don't know, like coming out of a store and my mom was like telling me to do something and I wasn't doing it. And she was mm-hmm. like, if you don't do this, I'm going to spank your butt. And I was like, bing, 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 bing. and so she <sighs> swatted my ass and I go, you scared my butt. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom said she could never spank me again because I was so damn cute. <laughs> no, my brother got spanked all the time, but he was a little demon. I remember him laughing. My mom was doing it once, and she looked so frustrated. <gasps> and he was like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. "That's why oh you want a little God. girl, not a little boy." Okay, damn, you're angels. Obviously, um, <laughs> Jim Jones people were okay with it, except for the poor eighteen-year-old that was reporting on it. Sorry, yeah. continue, Aaron. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Go on. Oh Ooh. no, <laughs> you guys are fine. Members were also instructed to write letters to various politicians, praising them for what they were doing. Um, And then some members were also told to write letters incriminating themselves in illegal and immoral acts that never happened. Okay. Members would get in trouble for sleeping too much. If you slept for even like six hours or more during the night, they would get into trouble. Former member Grace Stowen said that a follower was apparently – this might gross you out, guys – was apparently vomited and urinated on for breaking <sighs> this rule. <coughs> Sorry. No. If I no. even heard of that happening, I'm gone. I defect. Bye. Girl, I'm mean, doing like, such a good job of putting you against everyone else. Like, yeah. you just want – he's a good organizer, oh. good con man. Well, yeah, and people – like other followers would tell on other followers and turn against them, you know, like people yeah, you were don't tattling on each other on. all the time. Yeah. I'm trying to keep myself clean. I Absolutely need eight not. hours of sleep at least. So I'm out. <laughs> mm-hmm. And lastly, uh, well, actually not lastly, but members were also told to turn over their money and property to the church and mm-hmm. live communally in temple buildings at one point, one um, former follower um, said that they were told that 25% of their earnings should be paid back to the church. Those who failed to meet this requirement were forced to donate, using real big air quotes here, um, mm-hmm. for donate, their property, or they would have to go on the floor in a catharsis session. So Which- I think this... Oh, I was going to say, if you really do believe in communism, I get why this would be something you follow, but mm-hmm. they took it a weird way. They took it really weird. Yeah, but I and I also think, especially with them turning over all their property and having to give their money to the church, like mm-hmm. a lot of people who probably wanted to leave and defect couldn't yeah. because they didn't have the money to do so. It's so messed up. No, it was a really good fail safe, especially with those signed confessions of things that didn't happen. Like he basically, there's no way you're yes, leaving. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Which even in a childhood, you would see that like those kids who didn't want to hang out with him, he would take that really, really hard. Like mm-hmm. he's always been so weird about like, I need your attention. I need your loyalty. I guess I need your house yes. and your money. Like crazy man. Yes. This next little bit of information I found in a Rolling Stone article, but I also wanted to include it here. Former members reported that Jones engaged in sexual relations with his female and male followers. He even told his followers that they were all homosexuals, that the women were all lesbians, the men were all gays, and Jones himself was the only, the only heterosexual on the planet. Oh, thank God. Or thank Jones for that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. (laughs) God. 
Tim Carter, a former member of the temple, told Rolling Stone that Jones despised members having romantic relationships within the People's Temple. He thought that these relationships threatened the temple's cause, and he banned members from having sex um, outside of marriage. Just like too hot to handle, bringing it all back. (laughs) So if you aren't with Jones, you're with with no one. It doesn't count. (laughs) And if you're the same gender as as him, just know he's not gay. He's straight. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to do it. He has to do it for you. He has to do it for you. Because he's your father. So on every level, this is totally right. No, nothing weird about this (sighs) at all. No. My insides don't feel good. <laughs> and it's not the Bloody Marys, let me tell you. I was you. about to say, is it all the alcohol or the no, story? No, it's uh, Jimothy Jones. I'm just not feeling it, man. <laughs> Jimothy Jones. <laughs> At the time Kildreff's article was printed, Jones had been in Guy- Guyana for three weeks, and the magazine was unable to interview him. Kildreff also found out that the... I think it's Mendocino County. I think I said that right. Sorry. Uh, The Mendocino County Recorder's Office showed that many temple properties, so the Redwood Valley Temple, the L.A. Temple, and three Mendocino care homes had been recently put up for sale. His article even mentioned that several former temple members believed that Jones and his followers would be leaving for Guyana before September of that year, and they were afraid that these followers wouldn't be allowed to leave and come home. Mm-hmm. That's probably a really correct fear, I would assume. Yep. Yes. Yep, 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 yep. Before Jones left for Jonestown, which had already been built way before, like years before Kildreff's article was published, Jones claimed to be the father of John Victor Stowen, even though the birth certificate listed John's parents as Grace and Tim Stowen. The temple claimed that Tim asked Jones to have sex with Grace in 1971 to keep her from defecting. Good plan, Tim. Okay. <laughs> that magical ween he's got. Okay. Tim ended up signing an affidavit <laughs> confirming Jones to be John's biological father. Grace did end up defecting from the church in 1976, and fearing for her life, she left John with Jones. Tim also defected a year later in 1977, and Jones was later given court orders to hand John over Um back to the U.S., back to um, Tim and Grace. But by that time, Jones had taken John with him to Guyana, and he just completely refused to return the boy and follow those court orders. Cool. I just don't understand why does he want this child so bad? You know what I'm saying? Like, he really isn't the father. There's a bunch of kids in this thing. Like, what about this child is so magical? Which, yes, I think it's all just- children are magical, but... I don't know. I was one of the articles I was reading, I guess, kind of worded it as um, that's just his power over his people. And if he's not able, you know, he if he oh. he says this and he believes this, like, oh, I'm the father. Everyone else should believe this. But now that they're fighting against him, it's like he's losing that power, I guess. Oh, that's so kind of the way on tighter. I I think so. Yes. OK, that makes sense. Don't, actually. Don't, OK, thank you. Don't question the authority. Authority. Yes. And this kind of starts. Um, the, I mean, this is where things take a turning point because Joan continues to escalate. Uh, but then the public starts to find out just even more about Jones and the People's Temple. So uh, continuing on, 
Tim Stone, along with other defected Temple members, formed a concerned relatives group, and Tim visited State Department officials in Washington, D.C. in January 1978 to bring up all of the problems and concerns he had with Jones and the Temple. Mm-hmm. Tim's efforts grabbed the attention of California Congressman Leo Ryan, who wrote a letter on Tim's behalf to Guyanese Prime Minister Forbes Burnham. In the summer of 1978, Jones continued to receive scrutiny when he hired JFK assassination conspiracy theorist Mark Lane and Donald Freed to basically make a story for the public claiming that U.S. intelligence agencies were conspiring against the temple and making them to look out bad, I guess. What? Wow. I'm assuming this didn't happen. <laughs> From now on, I'm not going to say Jesus. I'm going to say Jim Jones. Yeah. Ah, for the love of JJ. <laughs> what would JJ do? In June 1978, Deborah Layton escaped the temple and wrote an affidavit detailing the crimes that Jones and the temple had committed, as well as the poor living conditions the followers were subjected to in Jonestown. Temple members continue to suffer from mental and physical abuse in Jonestown. They were required to work lawn days in the fields and were punished if they, you know, just barely questioned Jones's authority. Members' passports were confiscated, and letters they wrote to family or friends back home had to be censored. So they were in prison. You can say that, yes. Yeah. Ugh. Jones, who at this time um, is beginning to abuse drugs and whose mental health is just declining, um, encouraged his followers to inform on one another and force them to attend lengthy late night meetings, um, kind of like what he had been doing before to them. All temple members were also required to participate in mock suicide drills in the middle of the night. And these became known as white nights because, again, Jones believed the U.S. government was out to get him that's so scary oh yeah and during one white night jones told his followers to drink a liquid that he falsely claimed contained poison and his followers did it it didn't have poison in it but they just initially believed he lied um in order to just test their loyalty to him and this obviously is a precursor for things to come well i think the guy who did waco did the same thing right there's another cult that did that that would do false alarms to see who was loyal. Yeah. So yes, he was testing their loyalty, but it was practice for horrible things to come. Yeah. He was getting them ready for something fun, for a little parte, yeah. mm. parting parte. And we're just going to go right into it, guys. So Congressman Ryan wanted to investigate these allegations himself, so he wrote a letter to Jones requesting an invitation to visit the Jonestown settlement. On November 15th, 1978, Ryan, accompanied by reporters, an NBC camera crew, and relatives of Temple members, arrived in the capital of Georgetown. And two days later, they arrived at Jonestown, where they were greeted by Jones, who hosted a reception for them that night at the Jonestown Pavilion. So, you know, the first day, the first night, right? visit seems to be going well. The next day, not so much. On November 18th, some Temple members ended up talking to Ryan during his visit, telling him that they wanted to return home. They were done. They wanted to leave. Jones became distressed when he found out and saw his followers' defection as a sign of betrayal. And one of Jones's lieutenants, uh, Don Sly, attacked Ryan with a knife. 
but Ryan escaped from the attack unharmed. Ryan, along with the 15 temple members who wished to leave the congregation, left for the Port Taituma airstrip with Ryan um, and his group. Jones Mm -hmm. didn't prevent them from leaving, at least not at that moment. Which, okay, I would leave even, like, for one-tenth of the reasons these people left. Like, if you're like, you're going to live in the jungle with no air conditioning, I'd say, no, thank you. Like, you're only going to get five hours of sleep with no air conditioning in the middle of the jungle. No, thank you. Like, these, like, so many layers of, like, why would you think, well, never mind, because I guess you're God and Buddha and everybody. I know. And the fact that, like, there was, there were only, you know, 15 people who came up to Congressman Brian. But still, like, think of everyone else that. Which is suffering. Was scared. Yeah, they're suffering and they're scared and they wouldn't want to take the risk of upsetting Jones. So. Well, and didn't Jones. I'm sure there were even more people who wanted to leave. Yes. But. I'm pretty sure his thing actually had air conditioning. No one else's did, but his did. Oh, I can. I He's can Gandhi. That. What do you expect? Sheesh. <laughs> I expect. I expect more from you, Gandhi. <laughs> when Ryan and his group were beginning to board the planes at the airstrip, Jones's guards called the Red Brigade. I got it ah, that time. <laughs> the Red Brigade, you said. Arrived. Ah. At the airstrip by tractor and just open fire on the group. A supposed defector, Larry Layton, also began to shoot members who had already boarded one of the planes. An NBC cameraman apparently caught the first few seconds of the shooting, too. And I guess I didn't realize there were, like, video, like, camera crews came. I knew there were mm-hmm. pictures, but I I didn't realize there were cameramen there so very interesting well because they're so well known people are now like really curious like what are you doing 24 hours away like true what is going on so that makes sense true it would make for good tv no matter what yeah congressman ryan nbc reporter don harris nbc cameraman bob brown san francisco examiner photographer greg robinson and temple member patricia parks were gunned down and killed at the airstrip and several other members of ryan's group that were boarding the planes um, had been injured in the attack. Back in Jonestown, Jones commanded his 909 followers to gather in the main pavilion where they would commit a, quote, revolutionary act, telling his followers that they all had to commit suicide. Or uh, I found like two different reasons. Um, He either said both of them. I don't know. He told them the Guyanese military would take their children away or other intelligence organizations conspiring against them would parachute down on them, um, shoot them, and torture them. He would stage attacks, too. Do you know that? Sorry, I listened. Oh, yeah. Like a four-part series. Like, remember you were saying um, the dynamite and the bricks or whatever? Uh-huh. So. Yeah. Um, sorry, I heard this last night, but he would, like, have his red babade, as you said, go in the um, woods yeah, I said it wrong on purpose. <laughs> and uh, I'm not that drunk yet. And would like fire shots and stuff. And he'd be like, all right, everyone round up, round up. This is this is not a drill. Like we're going to do a white night. They're coming for us. Like these people, mm-hmm. whatever. Like, God, he had them in such fear. It's terrible. It is terrible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. In my research too, they said, like you said, Aaron, there was like those two reasons that he gave, you know, to, to commit the act. He also mm-hmm. said like the biggest thing is like, or else you're going to see the same fate as the congressman and like the other people who were shot. Basically like take your own life so you don't get gunned down. Yeah. And yeah. he would 
mentioned like, oh, your children are going to get killed. They're going to be tortured if they're captured. You know, he's ugh, he's Which, just being horrible. Is that really happening in his head? Like, does he think that or does he know he's being manipulated? I know, I know we can't ask him, but like. I, I think, the think it's a mix of both. Yeah, I, mean, I think the drugs crazy. got to him. I think the drugs got to him, man. He was, I think he was already crazy. Right? He was on yeah, I, I think so, yeah. Yeah, he, he was a lot on of cocaine. <laughs> yep. Oh, yep. Okay. Mixture of all of the above. I would take another shot, but um two no, no, of my Baileys right. is well, we're good. We're good. <laughs> <sighs> I forgot how sad this was. Okay. Yes. After all of the followers were gathered at the pavilion, packets of grape flavorade were mixed with cyanide and a sedative. Jones told the adults that children would be the first to drink the poison. So parents and nurses used syringes to drop the poison into their throats. Um, And then after all the children had been given the poison, the adults lined up to drink it, while Jones's armed guards surrounded the pavilion. The next day, Guyanese officials arrived at Jonestown, finding hundreds of bodies scattered around the settlement. Many followers died with their arms around, like, their family and friends. It's very sad. Jones was found dead with a gunshot wound to his head, which Guyanese coroner Cyril Mutu said was consistent with suicide. An official autopsy conducted in December 1978 confirmed the coroner's report. Jones's son, um, Stephen, believes that his father told someone to shoot him, possibly, but this has never been proven. That's just speculation. Oh, because he can't die the same terrible way everyone else did? No, that makes me so mad. You're going to let everyone take this horrible poison, but you're just going to shoot yourself in the head? That pissed me off. Because that isn't a quick death, and it's not a nice death. Like, no, no. No, definitely The cyanide, not the gunshot. The gunshot was probably Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Why can't you suffer too, you piece of shit? The same mm. reason he had air conditioning. He's above everybody else, apparently. Whatever. Mm. A few followers did manage to escape into the jungle when Jones was commanding his followers to, you know, commit suicide and meet at the pavilion. Mm-hmm. And there were several other temple members, including some of Jones's sons, um, who survived because they were in another part of Guyana at the time. I think one of them, one of the reasons was there was like some basketball game yeah. going on that they were at, I guess, that they played. So, yeah, so, some members did not um, see the same fate as the other followers did. And then evidence found at the scene, though, confirms that not all temple members agreed with Jones's plan and refused to go along with it. So Good. sometimes in some articles, it's been described as like a mass suicide, but you can't really describe it completely that way or entirely that way because of all of this evidence. So first off, there were armed guards at the pavilion who made sure that members, you know, drank the poison um, and that they didn't try to run away. And then secondly, victims were found with marks on their bodies, which officials believed were needle marks from syringes used to inject the poison into people unwilling to drink it. And then lastly, hundreds of children didn't just willingly drink this poison. And these were children aged, you know, 17 and younger. So not all of them could have possibly known what they were doing. So it's nowadays, I think a lot of articles and 
places will consider it more of like a massacre or a um, mass murder suicide. Um, if you're going to call it a suicide, I would call it a forced suicide because I don't really think it was a choice. Yeah. It was a homicide. It, I No, I don't think it was a choice. Did some people blindly follow Jones and take it? I believe that. Did yeah, all some. of them, though? No. Say, if I, they all I did, you wouldn't need that. the guards. A.K.A. the people exactly. who were too young to make that decision themselves. Mm-hmm. Yes. And in total, 605 adults and 304 children died in Jonestown on November 18th, 1978. The Jonestown Massacre represented the largest number of American civilian casualties in a single non-natural event before 9-11, which is insane. It's terrible. That is it com- is terrible. And I really don't have a good way to end this. And that's my part. Thanks, Aaron. No problem. I'll just end it with Jones was a horrible human being. And if there's a hell, I sure hope he's in it. Yeah, Jones, you go down there. I do like, though, there was um, was, like audio because he recorded everything. And there was one lady who was like, yes, I heard about that. You ghost, like whoever. I don't remember her name, but I was like, yes. Because basically, what did she, she was, do? Sorry, I cut you off. No, you're fine. She was just like poking holes in all of his things. He's like, well, no, they're gonna come put us in concentration camps. And she's like, well, then why don't we go to Russia, like you said? Like, why don't we just go somewhere else? She's like, no, no, no. And she's yeah, like, why? why do we have to commit suicide? Can't we do something else? Why Let's do you have to commit the it. ultimate sin? Like, this started as a church. This is really wrong. What are we doing? It's painful. Yeah, horrible. So not as funny Morgan. as just drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. 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 It's not a family guy trope. Mm-mm. So it's my turn, right? Correct. <laughs> this, was an, this was an improv sound effect. <laughs> I needed a new... I needed... <laughs> I was expecting like a... <laughs> okay. I'm sorry to I was expecting like a... Like a like a Jonestown sound clip or something. Not. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking we were gonna bring your phone up, and <laughs> I don't know. You, you can't see me. My legs are like just like like a little kid. I love it. Got yeah. him. No, it's uh, I'm, I'm, mine's not even that. My details aren't even that juicy, but I'm going for the claw number two. So, all right. The my claw. notes on Jonestown. I did note. Uh, kind of how one of the notes that Aaron ended on um, was before September mm-hmm. 11th, Jonestown was the largest single incident of intentional civilian death in American history. So like, it's super weird to think that we were like, we were alive during September 11th and like, we saw like within, like we weren't there, but we saw the news. We were, you know, I was in uh-huh. s- right. second grade. So just to put yourself kind of in that perspective of how dramatic that was for that time, you know, like how Mm -hmm. we were so affected even in second grade, there were second graders who saw this and, you know, it just kind of floored me. Um, so like I said, I've been kind of mentioning throughout the episode there. Um, and I think I, uh, yeah, I said in the beginning, there's not Jonestown really isn't haunted. So I'm just going to lay some like after the fact facts on you. So, uh, I just don't know how it's not possible. Stuck, it's not haunted. That still kind of blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe someone- like, yeah, maybe Ghost Adventures needs to go there. Maybe they'd 
you know, but they have not. Um, well, say yeah. maybe no so, one's there either. It's not like it's a building correct. people move into. Oh, true. Correct. There is no one there. So um, I don't know if that's prime real estate. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get to that as in why it's not currently. So, I bet it's pretty cheap. Uh, okay. <laughs> I would hope, man. Uh, so I, I first, of course, was like, all right, cool. Jonestown. This is, I know a little bit about it. It's got to mm-hmm. be haunted. So the first thing I type in is like Jonestown haunted or haunting. And uh, it's a movie that just came out about oh. five days ago, actually. I think it, I think it was April 21st. Yeah. What's it on? Um, um, I don't know. I, I have I've the in I put in my uh the links that I used, the um what's it called? Oh my god, the 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 the, the preview of the movie. Okay. Um and it looks to quote, I think someone it was like a comment either on YouTube or on IMDb. It was like, wow, this looks like a grade A grade B quality horror film. So Great. Don't get your hopes up. Okay. Uh, to quote the like the definition of what the movie is about, it says, <clears throat> A survivor of the Jonestown Massacre returns to the site 10 years later and discovers the cult's former home has become a breeding ground for the supernatural. Dun, dun, dun. Which, in real life, I feel like is true. But, yes. again, from the research that I did, a.k.a. a shit ton on Wikipedia, uh, <laughs> there's not a lot. So, uh, and I'm, anything I say is pretty much from the different sites that I will source in our show notes. So, I don't like the way this first line is worded. It says, a year after the Kool-Aid event. So, excuse that, but that's what Ugh. it says. I know. So, a year, how, about we just, how about... Right. How about we'll cross off the Kool-Aid part. How about a year after the event of the group suicide, many of the structures still stood. So the pavilion where gyms held services, their huts, a.k.a. their living quarters, the school. And this is where I found the research on the chimp part, an empty chimp cage where Jim Jones had a pet, in quotes, chimp named Mr. Muggs. I was like, oh. That sounds okay. kind of cute, but I know it wasn't. I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, again, this was like a year after. Um, it had like a lot of details of just like a year. And then now um, the article was written in 20 – this article I re- read was written in 2019. Uh, it is severely overgrown with rusted pieces of cars, trucks, and buildings. Um, mm-hmm. And then Julia Shears, who traveled to Jonestown uh, because she was writing a series of books on the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, This is just a quote from her. As I picked my way through the chest-high bushes growing in the area where the pavilion once stood, what struck me was the silence. No birds, no bugs, nothing. Very much like a ghost town. Yeah. Pun intended, though. Yes. Pun intended, though. Yes. Like, they they use that term a lot. And like I said, while it may not be, quote, quote, classically haunted, it definitely gives you the, uh, quote, full body chills and just a very uneasy, not good feeling. feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, those buildings weren't built to last forever. I mean, they weren't construction workers down there right and his was like the only one with ac um so and like the uh, the quote the term that where people slept was the huts that's what i'm saying yeah like Mm -hmm. what like literally it was like ramshackle sheds that they lived in which i'm just like like you said sarah i can't imagine being like you can't pay me enough to live in something like that but Mm -hmm. whatever um 
So <clears throat> after the event, I got all this on Wikipedia. Uh-huh. The only medical doctor to initially examine the scene examined over 200 bodies visually and later told, like you said, Aaron, I don't know how to say it, Guyanese uh, coroners uh, to have – they have seen needle marks on at least 70. So like you said, Aaron, you referenced like the needles instead of um, drinking the Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. Um. There was no, quote, no determination was made to whether those injection marks initi- were initiated to um, for the introduction of the poison or they were there to for the so-called relief injections to quicken death and reduce mm. the suffering from the convulsions from that previously the people had taken the poison orally. So basically to sum that up, there's no way to tell if those injections were because people were like literally having a reaction to the poison and like weren't mm-hmm. dying quick enough. Um, I, I say with tears welling in my eyes or if it was, you know, the younger children who were unwilling to drink it, blah, blah, blah. This is so, terrible. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm sure those children were unwilling. Like in my head, I'm like, I was a bratty kid. Like, I don't want the grape flavor. I want a different flavor. Like I can see that. <laughs> or, or like I mean, but the same, but at the exact same sad time. Like they had practices. So like, think about yeah, how like when up. you were a kid, like you had fire drills, so you knew exactly what to do. So like, they yeah, practiced yeah. that. So they well, knew actually, what they were okay. getting into. This is gonna sound morbid. I couldn't sleep last night, obviously, and I was thinking. There was no way to fake taking this also because they lined you up to take it one at a time, right? Mm, I believe so. It's not so. Like you all drink it at once. You can be like, oh, totally did it. Totally did it. No, like they watched you do it. There's no way to not do this. Like, Yeah. You kind of like saw what you were getting into, I guess is a good way to say it. Insert joke here for light humor uh, because. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lynn Crook determined that cyanide was present in some of the bodies while analysis of the contents of the vat of the drink revealed several tranquilizers as well as potassium cyanide and potassium chloride. Jesus, Um, Jim Jones. Yeah. So it wasn't just like, hey, we're going to put a little couple drops of blah, blah in here and hope for the best. Like they were, that's why I think like the whole, like when they say like several types of tranquilizers, like, I don't know. I mean, obviously, hopefully everything was like, sounds so bad, like stirred together well. But like, if you, if you only got like a certain amount of poison, like you probably were convulsing on the floor and like not dying. Like, uh, uh, well, yeah, it doesn't sound like it it was like a very exact recipe. Correct. Mm -hmm. And then at the site, plastic cup, flavor packets and syringes with some needles, some without, like Aaron mentioned too, and put into the children's mouths were littered around the area where the bodies were found. Guyanese authorities waived their requirements at the time for autopsies on the case uh, due to unnatural death. Doctors in the U.S. performed autopsies, this is what shocked me, on only seven bodies. So I read mm, uh, 909 casualties, and then on another side, I read yeah. uh, I read 918, and I was like, no, I'm pretty sure it's 909. But regardless, only on seven bodies, including Jones. So I understand 
that they probably got the gist of things, you know, when they did like the blood tests yeah. and things like that. Yeah, on like what they... was in their body, but like seven, you did seven. Obviously some of these people were like, their families were missing them. I just, I, I feel like if I was a family uh-huh. in that time, I would want an autopsy on my family member. That's just me. I don't know. Uh, yeah. The whole I thing is both. so dark. Yeah. Yeah. Cause autopsies are kind of gruesome sometimes. Like you're taking apart bodies, like, Maybe they just wanted it over and done with, and they kind of figured it out after seven. Regardless, it's not good. None of it is good. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I think I picked this topic. I am so sorry. <laughs> That's so dark. It's okay. And then BBC.com, uh, Laura Johnson Cole, uh, she is a, quotes one of the very few, quote, survivors of this. Um, she was in Georgetown at the time, um, so which like that neighboring – city town area where i'll Mm kind of get into it like but it was just basically like you had more freedom he Mm -hmm. sent her there when things started going south because he like felt that she was going to carry on his legacy or something of that nature she felt like he was a true she was a true believer of his um in later years uh this is a quote from miss laura jones was a con artist he made everyone feel he was their father he would tell them, you can't go back. You have no money, uh, which, again, like I think both of you referenced at one point, had been given to the church at this point, all of it. Uh, he lied to to them every day. Um, he fed them He fed them paranoia. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was like a really powerful line. Like he, he – like you both referenced. Like he is like such a powerful speaker. You slowly start to believe like his words are true. Well, mm-hmm. Annie isolated them so, so bad. Like, that's, like, one of the big, like, brainwashing things. And even, like, when I covered Stockholm Syndrome, like, a reason you would, you know, go to that person is, like, he is – you rely on him for everything. Your information, your food, yes. your livelihood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you believe everything he says. Like, why wouldn't it be truth? Because he's t- he's speaking it, you know? Mm-hmm. Con man. Con yeah. man. Uh, Laura states, it's hard to know what would have happened if I or others in Georgetown had believed those uh, instructions. So basically what she's like saying here is the people who are in Georgetown received like a radio call, like it's happening. You need to drink your drink. Mm -hmm. And they were like, they were like, oh no, like it must be fake or like, I don't like what they were confused. Wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. So I didn't know that, actually. So mm-hmm. it wasn't even just at Jonestown. He radioed out to Georgetown? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How yep. much control did he – okay. Well, and then it says here, Too in much. Georgetown, they had options. She says you could walk um, down the street. You could see people. You could get into a car or even get into the to an embassy. Um she says, I think if I were in Georgetown, or excuse me, if I were in Jonestown and saw 900 people who I loved making a choice like this, I can't imagine wanting to survive that. I like wrote that and was like, oh my God, like breaking down. Like, so she's saying basically, like, how could you not partake in the action if you're looking around and everyone else is doing it? So it. Actually, yeah, that's like your whole family, all your friends, your support system. It's all gone. Yep. Even the people who were like questioning it or questioning him at the time, like they're doing it because other people are doing it. So mm-hmm. 
Because and conformity then the last, and force. Jeez. Yeah. There's a whole, I'll link it. There's a whole website about like basically like Lara's story. Um, okay. But I'll end with in 1978, Lara moved back to the People's Temple uh, community in California. She states, Jim Jones was the only one who is was invested in the deaths. So basically she was preaching that the People's Temple was still a good place and Jim Jones is the one who took it in a direction of such negativity mm-hmm. and okay. things like that. So she was with the People's Temple and like regaining herself for I think I believe eight years um, before she kind of started her life over. Um, but yeah, so again, they like they say there was, quote, no survivors of Jonestown because everyone who was in Jonestown did partake in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she luckily was in another like neighboring town at the time. Um, so yeah, it's again, there's not much of the after. It's more of like, hey, there's a ghost town and there are people who, quote unquote, survived the attack. Um, but other than that, no ghost adventures have happened there. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe someday in the future they'll do like an overnight camp. Wouldn't you know? But yeah. Yeah. And more like to. Oh, Sarah, you can go. I was going to say, um, no, it's terrible. I was like, I wonder if we could go, but it's it's like a 24 hour plane ride, isn't it? Yeah. It's like a fucking. And it's like a jungle. I mean, it's not like there's. The pictures was like nothing. Didn't he pick it? It was like the only English speaking country in South America or something weird. Loki, you guys would know that, not I. But I believe I'm it. not sure. Or did he just throw a dart at a map and thought, I'm Jesus. I, I know mean, where Loki we're is, going. Um, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So it was around, uh, Guyana was around the area where, you know, the Esquire article he read, that was also somewhere around there was in the article stating that it was one of the uh, safest places in the world to go to. So that's where, because I didn't mention it, I didn't put it into my notes, but he had traveled to around that area years before, um, like somewhere in Brazil, Mm -hmm. Um, to maybe, you know, build, you know, a settlement there. But then he went back to California to where the People's Temple was. So and then also something real quick I will add to that you said, Morgan, um, and just some quotes I'd seen from other former members of the temple that even though it seems, you know, Jones is made out to be this guy that really brought everyone in, they mentioned that it was really the members and the people that really drew people in and kept them around so i can see that yeah so you get your family dynamic but also they did a lot of good things like they had um yes like a like what's that called like a daycare they had a rehabilitation center for people who were on drugs they had soup kitchens they had clinics like they did a lot of progressive things it just ended really bad Mm -hmm. so i think Jones, while he started it and it he seemed appealing at first, I think a lot of people probably stuck around because they made those connections with the other members and they, you know, they felt like a family um, as well. I can see that. But I think it's important. Yes, this is very like heavy topic. Um, it's very sad, but I think it's important to continue to tell it so that history doesn't repeat itself because Jones had all of that power and he was he manipulated politicians and all these other important officials that, you know, publicly praised him. So yes, it's heavy, but I, you know, let's not repeat history, please. Let's not give these crazy people power. 
Yep, this yep, is yep, a yep. democracy. <laughs> democracy. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, any Morgan, anything else <laughs> with your part? <laughs> I don't know. There's so much guys, more. Guys, yeah, how are we gonna I end? Know. Like, listen. I, I try. We all take a shot. <laughs> I We're tried. All too hot to handle. I tried to find ghosts. I tried to lighten it up with some too ghosts, and as soon handle. as I, as soon as I started, ooh, ooh as Name soon as I started, yes. And then <laughs> as soon as I started research, I was like, "This is not going good. This is <sighs> this is dark and sad." And that's why I've had three Bloody Marys and. 2.5 white claws. Woo! Now you guys hey. feel how all of my stories go. <laughs> None of my stories end well. Nope. No. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> well, so, no, your I survived it. That was pretty cool. Yeah, Bad okay, yes. true. I have to throw so, yes. some good ones in. And I so, gotta say, this has to, to be enough Sinister Sunrise. Oh, oh, definitely enough. For your day. I mean, for your, for your week. Till the next one comes out, which is for your life when we were Friday. But yeah, so for those again who don't know, we record on Sundays and put them out Fridays. And uh, please just enjoy us some type of alcoholic <laughs> beverage today. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Sunrise yes. shots. I'm making it a thing. Woo! Making a shot. I definitely. Yeah, I'm definitely making a Bloody Mary and drinking after this. So yeah. hopefully yes. everyone else has either already cracked open a beer or made themselves a drink while listening or will do so later because this is pretty sinister. I just saw that drip all over I just over saw you, that Morgan. too, Morgan. <laughs> I definitely didn't miss my mouth with my... You know what? You know what? I'm going to say it again. There's no laws with the claws. I do what I want. If I miss my mouth, I miss my mouth. Deal with it. I know... Okay, I think I think on that note, <laughs> um, guys, if you're enjoying this podcast, <laughs> follow us on Instagram <laughs> at Sinister Sunrise Podcast, um, and also email us at Sinister Sunrise Podcast at gmail.com. Please, please, please send us any personal stories you have or any recommendations for stories, you know, dreams, true crime, ghosts, anything you want us to talk about in a future episode on the pod we are also still sending out those free stickers so yes. if you want to show your support please go to apple podcast leave us a rating mm -hmm. and leave us a review after you leave your review please you know screenshot it and then email us your name and your address and we will send you that cool sticker um so yes we want us uh we want to show you guys how much we appreciate you so if you show um your love by sending us or leaving us a review we will send you a sticker um anything else guys you want to add yeah um, yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna pun it out thanks for sticking with us Woo! yeah <laughs> this is solid I episode 14 ladies and gents we appreciate you all please send us some ideas because i'm i only got like three more on our whiteboard Ooh, or any Netflix shows you think we should watch because oh, I finished too hot to handle and I need some more dumpster fires. So give it to me. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Send us yes. whatever you'd like and tune in next time for a new episode. Um, see you guys then. See you guys then. Thanks for checking in and listening. <laughs> Thank Bye. you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs>